Hour number three on this Friday afternoon. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Just looking over some of the uh, the details San Francisco police have released about the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. He's 82 years old. Somebody broke into their home in San Francisco. Nancy Pelosi was not there. Uh, uh, the uh, intruder then attacked Paul Pelosi. Uh, he got uh, he got pretty seriously injured. Uh, went to the hospital. Um, I don't have any update on his condition. The guy was arrested, and uh, so now people are trying to you know figure out. What possible motive could it be? And once again, and I've waited to even discuss this until I see some more information. There's no, there's no reason why we can't allow 24 hours before we start you know, solidifying notions about what happened. But as I always say in any, uh, any uh, one of these types of attacks, especially like you know, mass shootings and the like, People who have a rational mind, people who are not crazy, um, have a hard time understanding why somebody would do something like this. And you have to accept the reality, which is that you're not going to understand why people do some of these things. Because you're not insane. And they are. And so that's... That was my initial read on it. When I heard the story, I thought somebody broke in to the house. And the first thing I thought was, okay, it's San Francisco. I'm thinking probably like, you know, a drug-addled derelict. You know? Seriously, that's the first thing that I thought because it's San Francisco. Um, then there was the 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 report I saw, uh, where and now it's, a bit, I guess, been confirmed that the person went in and they were looking for Nancy Pelosi. So they knew whose house it was. And they said, where's Nancy? So the person knew. So this then gives rise to the idea that, oh, it's what it's a ultra mega mega trickle down dark mega. What? I don't even know. Right, it's a Trumplican. That's what's going on. It's a Trump mega lover. And they're they're in there because Donald Trump uh, fomented violence against Nancy Pelosi on Truth Social, I guess would be the is that where? Um, although I am noticing, yeah, people are bringing back the, um, the tweet that Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Christine Pelosi sent out that said Rand Paul's neighbor was right. Remember that? Remember Rand Paul got attacked by his next door neighbor while he was out mowing the yard on his riding mower, his next door neighbor, an insane person sprints across the yard and decks him from behind, blindsides him, collapses his lung, breaks a rib, sends him to the hospital, and Democrats celebrated this. Christine Pelosi, Rand Paul's neighbor, was right. They were totally fine with this. What I just said this, what, two days ago, right? Politics is how we resolve these types of disputes about the role of government, what we should and shouldn't do, these types of political discussions are necessary. And yes, they get heated and it's messy and all of that, yes. But the, uh, the alternative is violence. That's it. These are our options. We either talk it out through politics or 
we just pick up the nearest rock and start bashing each other's skulls in. I would prefer that we talk because I believe human life has value. See, that's the root of all of it, right? That the human life has value. And so even if I disagree with you, your life still has value. And we've lost this idea, I suspect, that if I disagree with somebody on enough issues, let's say, although some people, it seems like if you disagree with them on a single issue, they want they want uh, violence to fall upon you. But um, if there's a certain number of issues that we disagree with, then all of a sudden now my life has less value, and so you're okay with somebody hurting me because I disagree with you. That's where we are. So this is why I have no problem condemning all of the violence because it's inherently at odds with the concept that we all have value. That's why I didn't have any problem uh, condemning the people that attacked the cops at uh, January 6th. No problem there. What they did was wrong. You're engaging in violent protest. That's wrong. It's the same reason I have no problem condemning the violent protesters from the summer of love that burned down cities and killed David Dorn. And like, yeah, I, because you're, you're minimizing the value of human life. This guy, um, oh my gosh, who is this? Okay. So yes, So here's one. Sentences that start with, there's no room for violence anywhere, should just end with, there's no room for violence anywhere. (laughs) That's that's a good rule of thumb to live by. Just say, uh, just, uh, that's all you have to say. There's, you should not be engaging in this violence, period. But apparently Glenn Youngkin, um, he was speaking at a rally with 7th District GOP candidate Yesley Vega, and he said he condemned the attack said there's no room for violence anywhere, but we're going to send Nancy Pelosi back to be with him in California. Yeah, just don't, it's, don't try to do that. Just don't, don't do that. Bad form. Just like, like, like Governor Cooper and the NAACP and the Moms Demand Action at that uh, Raleigh healing rally that they did that got, got a little Paul Wellstone-esque, you know? Uh, where they were like, oh, we're here to mourn the lives lost in this mass shooting in Raleigh the other day. And, uh, oh, and also gun laws. Let's have gun laws. And the NAACP guys are there like, hey, let's get some more members. If we can get 100 members into our organization, we'll be the biggest chapter in the state. That's what they're doing at the memorial for for these victims. It's just unseemly, right? There's a time for this, and there's a time not for this. And yeah, you should not be saying, oh, we're going to send Nancy Pelosi back so she can... Be. No, just don't. Um, do, 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 there is a... We need a bipartisan consensus. Right, so I'm, I'm just... See, I'm, this is what happens. I'm reading the, the, the tweets that are coming in because this was in the wake of the uh, police press conference. So I'll come back to it uh, during the break. I'll get some more information because, as I understand it, from what I have seen so far... Guy is a um, conspiracy theorist. He's got, apparently there were some social media postings about uh, COVID-19, which I assume is anti-vaccine, anti, uh, anti-booster, and, and I, 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 but I don't know. He was, um, he believed in the, what they called, uh, I think this was CNN, they called it the uh, 
the conspiracy theory of uh, uh, of the Great Reset, which, spoiler alert, not a conspiracy theory. They actually called it that. They branded it that. Not the conspiracy theorists. That was the World Economic Forum. This is their project. They got a whole slideshow. You can go watch it. <laughs> um, and what was the other thing? There was one other. Oh, also, I think he was a nudist. I don't know if he was nude when he attacked Paul Pelosi, but he was. Uh, I saw another report that he may have been like some nudist. Oh, and also he's a Canadian. But he's been, he followed somebody, like he moved to California like 20 years ago to be in a relationship with somebody out there. I don't know who. I don't want to make assumptions on today's day and age. But he, anyway, that's what led him there. I'll see if I can get some more information during the break. Talk 1110-993-WBT. San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott named the suspect in the uh, home break-in and attack on Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, in their San Francisco home early this morning. I'm not going to name the guy. I don't give people uh, any publicity. It doesn't appear to me to be that that's what he sought. But I just don't, I'm not going to give him any kind of publicity. So um, he was named. He is charged with attempted homicide, elder abuse, and burglary. He said police officers were called to the house and allegedly witnessed the intruder assault Mr. Pelosi with a hammer. Mr. Pelosi has been taken to the hospital where he is, is expected to make a full recovery. So that's good news. Um. Nancy Pelosi was not home at the time, and uh, according to the Associated Press, before the assault occurred, the intruder reportedly confronted Mr. Pelosi, shouting, Where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? The speaker and her family are grateful to the first responders and medical professionals involved. Uh, They said in a statement, national security officials, law enforcement, um, Looking into a motive, and then there's this. This is this. Uh, this is over at Yahoo News, and I don't know who. Let me see here. Is this AP? No, it may just actually be Yahoo. Um, but there's this quote: "In the wake of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, another man they name him. I'm not going to was arrested near the home of Brett Kavanaugh in June, armed with a handgun, a knife." pepper spray, and burglary tools. He later told police he wanted to kill the conservative justice and has been charged with attempted murder. In July, a man armed with a pistol was arrested near Democratic Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal's home in Seattle after he allegedly yelled racist death threats at the congresswoman who was at home with her husband at the time. The Department of Justice is also investigating a string of violent threats towards election workers ahead of the November 8 poll. Um, or election, I guess. This must be from overseas because they gave the date as 8 November. Anyway, um, and then it says, during her 35-year career in the House of Representatives, Ms. Pelosi has been a lightning rod for attacks from her political opponents. Attack ads by Republican candidates often seek to demonize the 82-year-old who is second in line to the presidency after the vice president. 
So wait a minute. So now we're saying that the that just any kind of generic Republican attack ad against Pelosi is somehow to blame for what this guy did? Allegedly. What about the what about the ones with Paul Ryan throwing grandma off a cliff, like literally committing an act of murder, right? L- literally committing a homicide. Do we worry about that influencing people's behavior? Or the guy who ran onto the ball field and screamed, this is for health care, and proceeded to attempt to assassinate like a third of the Republican leadership uh, or members, rather, of the um, in the House at that softball practice. He was a Bernie campaign worker. Bernie bro. Posted all sorts of stuff on Facebook. I bet nobody knows his name either. So... I, I'm just wanting a consistent application of the of the standard here, right? That's all I'm seeking is, like, what's the rule? We all got to live by the rule. And if Christine Pelosi is out there cheering on Rand Paul's neighbor for his vicious attack on Rand Paul, is that the standard? I don't like that standard. But how do we get to a better standard? If one, seriously, like, if, if you're going to have, uh, like, if one attack is okay and the other one isn't, then... Yeah, Miss Pelosi's home is in an exclusive neighborhood of San Francisco. It's been a frequent target of protests and vandalism in recent years. Um, somebody pooped on her driveway and said that was for Trump. Oh, goodness. Well, now, to be fair, it's San Francisco. So pooping on the streets, that's just like anybody. That's everywhere. Come on. Like, that's that's not even political at this point. Um. We do wish him uh, full recovery. It's just, yeah, like, there's, oh, here's the other thing. Joe Eskenazi. Well, you can't trust him with a name. I mean, Nazi's in his name. It's right there. N-A-Z-I. Eskenazi. Um, He works at Mission Local. And so apparently this guy may have been on the streets or something. And... This guy, I, is that what Mission Local is? I don't know. But he says, uh, this guy, is a, he lives in Berkeley. The attacker lives in Berkeley, and he appears to be a former Castro nudist protester. Castro nudist protester. So I think it means he's a nudist, and maybe, like, he goes down to the Castro. That's the, the area of San Francisco, known for, like, the gay bars and such, right? If I recall, uh, I mean, unless, of course, it's like the Cuban dictator, and he's like a nudist protester, pro-Castro. Or maybe he's anti-Castro. I I don't know. Castro, nudist protester. And also, he is described as a hemp jewelry maker. And he was the best man at the naked wedding of Gypsy Taub. T-A-U-B. Wait a minute. But how is he the best man at the naked wedding of Gypsy Taub when he and Gypsy Taub have three children together? I got a lot of questions. <laughs> I got a lot more questions about this story about, yeah, this guys, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm thinking 
I'm thinking this guy might be crazy. He might be a little crazy. We just want to keep that in mind here. There, so he may not fit neatly into a political box for everybody who's hoping to use the attack uh, one way or the other to harm their political opponents. Just going to just caution everybody. There may not be a neat definition for this guy. Um, I got a tweet here. Clearly the guy who made and sold hemp jewelry in Berkeley was radicalized into ultra MAGA on Twitter as soon as Elon Musk bought it. That's probable. That is the most likely story. As soon, I mean, really, think about it. As soon as Musk gets to the office, which also, where is that? San Francisco. Exactly. So Elon Musk arrives in town, takes over Twitter, and then the attack. Coincidence? I think not. But probably yes, actually. Probably coincidental. That's all. Ultra MAGA uh, hemp jewelry. Look, I know people are going to automatically make assumptions about somebody who's making hemp jewelry being of the left or the right or whatever, but I will tell you, um, I had a hemp necklace 20-something years ago. I got a hemp hat. Hemp is a fiber. I'm totally fine with it. So I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that that's going to be the heuristic that it, that everybody assumes it would be. I mean, okay, look. Yes, Occam's razor says more than likely of the left lives in Berkeley, but but I but I don't know. I mean, hemp jewelry maker in and of itself does not tell me uh, specifically anything about your politics. It doesn't because there are a lot of people on the right that are totally fine with hemp as well. It's just a crop. You used to be able to pay your taxes with it actually. War of 1812 was fought over Okay, never mind. Controlling plant and animal invasive species can be costly and time-consuming, says Planet Forward. One solution? Putting them them on the menu. Let's put them on the menu. Invasive species and plants. Kudzu, for example. Kudzu. It's what's for dinner. Feral pigs. Right? Invasive animals. Squirrels. No, I'm just kidding. You ever notice that squirrels, they're basically rats with fuzzy tails, and because they have a fuzzy tail, they get fed. Right? People kill rats. Cities put bounties on rats' heads. Well, their tails, actually. If you bring the tails, you could... Yeah, they don't do that for squirrels. People feed squirrels in the park. They think they're adorable. But they're basically rats, right? With fuzzy tails. This goes to one of the things I've long believed that... Cute animals are the ones that people find worth saving. You know, ugly animals, unless there's an animal that's so ugly it's cute, you know, almost like the koala bear, right, or the sloth. Those things, they're like, oh, my gosh, those things are so ugly, but they're kind of cute because they are so ugly. But there are uh, animals that are just ugly, and, like, nobody's – there are very few campaigns for ugly animals, you know? Just just an observation I've made. And I think that actually is tied to their eyebrows, I think I think animals with eyebrows are inherently cuter. And I think it's because when we look at animals, if they don't have eyebrows, we don't really identify with them. 
because eyebrows are so expressive for us humans. And so, the, like, dogs versus cats, right? Dogs got eyebrows. More of a brow than the cats do. Cats don't really have the brow going, you know? It's a work in theory, okay? It's just, it's a work in theory. But this, right, Scott Lincecum from Duke University, Cato Institute guy, he welcomed this news. Like the science behind eating invasive species. This is great. He says, finally, we go on offense for too long. Man has sat back and let the animal invaders plunder our yards and homes, and now we fight back with butter and salt. I like it. Oh, this reminds me. I don't know why this reminds me. Well, because it's the neighbors. We have a Facebook group in our neighborhood association, right? And this is where I learned this. Somebody in our neighborhood went out onto the main roads around our neighborhood and hung signs in clear violation of the sign ordinance, but he hung signs that said, come to our neighborhood for trick-or-treating. And he, he hung these signs on major roads outside of our neighborhood where just anybody could drive by and see them. And he's throwing this sign out there saying, hey, kids, come to the neighborhood. And so somebody goes onto the Facebook group and they're like, yo, what's up with that sign in the, uh, on the road over there? Is there some sort of event going on? And the homeowner association board, like those people, they're like, uh, no, uh, there's no activity planned. And so people started getting upset. And then the guy got on there and he's like, I took the signs down. Gosh, I didn't know it was going to cause someone's problems. I just... I, I never really liked Halloween, but then two years ago, before the pandemic, uh, we had everybody in our driveway, and it was so much fun. And so I'm just trying to make it e- I'm just trying to blow it out this year because we didn't get to do it last year and the year before. So now I'm going to make it 100 times better. So I just thought it would be really great to have all the kids from the surrounding areas come to our neighborhood and trick-or-treat. Uh, and, and, and then we have our music playing. We have a big old party here. And so first off, like, don't you think that you should have asked your neighbors before you put that sign out there? I know, I know there are a lot of neighbors to ask, and I know that the surrounding areas know, you know, the word spreads, you know, you know where to go for the, you get the sidewalks and more houses, you know, you can hit more houses, get more candy. Kids know this stuff, right? They got this all planned out. They got the battle plans all all, all sketched out where they're going to go and what neighborhoods to hit and what houses have the full length uh, baby Ruths and all that. Uh, they know this stuff. I just don't think you, I think it's bad form. I think it's bad form to put a sign up on a main road telling people, bring your kids to our neighborhood so my neighbors can run through all of their candy. Because that is exactly what's going to happen. Because now you've just put everybody on the hook for having to buy more candy dude inflation what's wrong with you like you got we had to go buy extra candy because now i'm afraid if i run out of candy i'm gonna get my house egged or toilet papered or shaving creamed or what on today's day and age i'm gonna get assaulted right i'm gonna burn my house down i, I don't know i mean crime rates are pretty bad so i, I just i I just think that that was not something that the neighbor should have done. I didn't even comment on the post. I didn't say anything. 
I am remarkably restrained in the neighborhood Facebook group. I very rarely weigh in on things. But I, 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 I'm, I'm curious if maybe I'm reading this wrong. Because the guy, then he plays this whole sob story about, oh, you know, I, I just wanted to see the kids in the costumes, and I just really enjoy it, have all the kids showing up with their costumes. And Yeah, see, ex- right. Now, me coming from the, the news business, I hear that comment, and I start thinking something else. I... All right, I'm going to give you the best motives here, man. But when you start saying like, oh, I just wanted to hang all these signs around the neighborhood to entice the kids to come to my house so I could give them candy. I'm like, let me see your van. How many windows are in this van? Let me see it. Get it out of the, get it out of the garage. I need to see this van. You're driving around. No. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. <laughs> uh, all righty, so just talking to Mark Garrison from the newsroom, and uh, he said that during the press conference in San Francisco, the police chief said that when cops arrived, the attacker had a hammer, and Paul Pelosi had a hammer. And they were essentially like squared off against each other with hammers. And cops are there when the attacker then grabs the hammer from Paul Pelosi and attacks him. And that's how the, and then the cops arrested him. So it seems pretty open and shut case, honestly, right there. Like that's pretty, for the assault charge, you're going to, yeah. Well, I haven't seen that being reported elsewhere. What? How did how did Paul Pelosi? Is it just coincidence that they both had hammers? Paul had a hammer. The attacker had a hammer. It was the morning, or was it the evening? When having okay, I'll stop. Did you know that Joe Biden has now spent more than a quarter of his time in office on getaways to his home state of Delaware? More than 25% of the time he has been in Delaware. And that is actually more time than Donald Trump spent away from the White House, by comparison. As of uh, last Sunday, Mr. Biden has logged 55 visits to Delaware, totaling some or all of 174 days spent at his homes in Rehoboth Beach and Wilmington, Delaware. Since becoming president nearly two years ago, according to a CNN analysis of the official White House press corps tally at the same time or at the same point in his presidency, Mr. Trump had logged 135 days away on trips, either to Mar-a-Lago um, or his golf club in uh, New Jersey. The White House chalks up Mr. Biden's time tucked away in Delaware to wanting to be out of sight. No, I'm kidding. Um, To him being, quote, deeply proud of his roots and his family. It says that uh, it has been a staple of his time in public life to never lose touch with either. Constantly on the job, 
regardless of his location. And by the way, I do agree with that. Uh, I said it when Trump was getting attacked for playing golf. I said it when Obama was getting attacked for playing golf. I said it when Bush was getting attacked for playing golf and riding a bicycle. And I say it now with uh, uh, Joe Biden going to Delaware and falling off bicycles. It's the same thing. You can do this kind of work from anywhere, generally speaking, right? There's an entire apparatus that goes with you. These guys are never off the clock, right? Even you go to sleep. They're going to come in. They're going to wake you up if something's going on. You're never off the clock. And I have no problem with presidents playing golf uh, or falling off bicycles. I, I, you know, however they want to spend their time, it's how it, I want them to decompress. I merely point out this story because I'm old enough to remember when people were very, very mad at the amount of time Donald Trump was spending away from the White House. And the people who were very, very mad about the lack of time Trump was at the White House were also of the mind that Trump shouldn't be in the White House. And they hated everything he was doing in the White House, which is why they wanted him to be there more often. Or something. Two six packs of shiner, 99 cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler, take a guess at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. Now, there is a problem. There is a problem with going to the Delaware places, and that's the cost to go there. Every single one of those trips costs about three and a half million dollars. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight, situation couldn't be more right. All right, so I was told there would be no math here, but just I'm looking at 55 visits, three and a half million a pop. That's like a like 160 million dollars just to go back and forth. Also, there's a bit of a problem with the transparency. They don't know how much business is actually being conducted in Delaware. And when the New York Post asked for a search, asked for documents under FOIA, they said no positive records. So anyway, I don't, I'm not looking for them to do work there. All right, we'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Don't break anything while I'm gone.